Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring hosts Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, SVP of Commerce at Razorfish, and Scott Wingo, founder and executive chairman of Channel Advisor. Here is Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 37, being recorded on Wednesday, July 13th, 2016. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and as always, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason. Happy day after Amazon Prime Day. Happy post-Amazon Prime Day to you as well, Scott. Were you able to take advantage of any deals, or were you jetting around somewhere and unable to, to hit the buy button? No, I was able to take advantage of a few deals. Uh, I feel like you can jet around and still buy a lot of stuff from Amazon Prime Day. The limiting thing might be those uh, Echo-only deals are hard to take advantage of until you get home. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, can you share what, what some of the things that intrigued you were? Yeah, I didn't get a ton of uh, – I frankly didn't get anything I was super excited about. It was more the – the thrill of the deal and uh, putting uh, Prime Day through its paces. But uh, there were some really good deals on SanDisk memory, and I actually just got sent a uh, fancy new Samsung phone to try that takes SD cards. So I bought a big memory card from that from SanDisk. Um, I bought a extra remote control for the Echo because that was a voice-only deal. I wanted to do one of those. And bought some uh, boring staples for our baby son. Interesting. Yeah, that uh, I did the. Um, I also took advantage of the Alexa deal, and I did the little drone. Uh, and then I bought another Echo because you just can never have enough of them. And um, I had never seen it fifty dollars off, so it's normally one seventy nine. And I'm sure you saw it, but for listeners that didn't see it, it was down to one twenty nine. Uh, and that was an interesting deal because. I jumped on it early thinking, wow, this is going to sell out, and it didn't sell out. But then if you look at these recaps, it was one of the top sellers. They must have had, you know, I would, I would guess millions or, you know, high hundreds of thousands of those units to, to sustain that deal all day at such a good price. And with the, you know, the, the external data sources pointing to the, the Echo as a huge hit, it just seems like that was a really interesting one from several angles. Yeah, no, I think that was really smart, and that that was a terrific deal. Were it not for the fact that I already have three of them, I, I definitely would have jumped on that deal too. Yeah, what you could do though is return them and save uh, hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, well, some of them are probably too too old to return, even from Amazon. <laughs> but I probably could have returned one. I just was, I guess, I uh, wasn't willing to work that hard. Here's a fun uh, insider Amazon thing. Did you know that Amazon maintains a uh, – it's called – internally I've heard it's called a sugar rating. And um, their policies tend to kind of flow by your sugar rating. And I'm going to bet that you and I have very high sugar ratings. And uh, those are the kinds of things where um, if, if you want to do a return outside the window, this is what jogged it for me. They'll look at your sugar rating and the customer service reps are kind of trained. If, if it's a very high sugar rating, they'll, they'll override those policies. And if it's medium, you get the standard policy. And if it's below, you get kind of an even more constrained policy. Yeah, I, uh, I had, in fact, heard that. It, uh, to me, it's sort of the, their equivalent of the, the Uber rating for, for uh, passengers. Yeah. Ah, oh, I thought I had a scoop on you. Dang it. 
Uh, I feel like my sugar rating is so high that they're actually opening my own fulfillment center just outside of Chicago that I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, you're in the Frosted Flakes territory. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or a hat tip to our last guest, the uh, the Easter Easter Oreo kind of uh, – that's that's your sugar rating. It has just a exactly. picture of an Oreo. I feel like the birthday cake Oreo may be the sweetest Oreo. I know a lot about Oreo flavors. Not as much yeah, as Neil. Yeah, I found that – I could have done a whole show on that. I don't know if our listeners would have enjoyed it as much as you and I, but I thought it was fascinating. Yeah. To keep that show under an hour, I had to edit out that whole 15-minute segment you had about the Star Wars Trident gum. Yeah. You know, the it's fascinating, the Vader versus the Yoda, and it's got to have them all. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, and I would, uh, while we're, we're uh, chatting, I do want to amend my previous answer. I also did buy a super exciting desk lamp. Wow, that you did kind of go boring on Prime Day this year. I, I went crazy. Well, you know, uh, I feel like we haven't talked about this yet, but I, uh, in the last couple of weeks, built a new PC because of the hardware requirements for the Oculus Rift. And so I'd sort of just redone my PC and the whole desk area. So that you're, you're bumping against the, the, up against the gadget budget, as it were, already. So you're you're kind of digging out of a hole so you couldn't really go crazy. Exactly. And I just frankly didn't have a lot of unfulfilled uh, needs. Uh, as my family is quick to point out, the the gap between recognizing a desire and fulfilling it is very short in my, my consumerism. Yeah, it makes birthday presents and uh, holiday gifts a challenge. Yeah, I suspect <laughs> you and I probably share that challenge. <laughs> but I am pleased cool. to announce I brought up the Oculus Rift uh, specifically so that I could call you out, you ordered your Oculus way before me, uh, same day, but much earlier in the day. So you received it much earlier than me, which I was very bitter about. And I, I think it's going to be true that I have actually set mine up and used it before you. I'm like three quarters through the setup and then, uh, I'll have to take a week off and then I come back and I have to go through like six hours of windows updates. So I've spent all my time, um, you know, burning on Windows updates while I, I try to get my Oculus Rift going. It, it reminds me why I enjoy working on a Mac every day. There there you go. Uh, I, I will say I have already wasted money on stupid games uh, on the Oculus that weren't very good. So we'll have to do a, a, a deep dive in the Oculus at a later show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Scott, what were your big observations from Prime Day this year? Well, it, it was uh, it was an interesting day. So when we look at kind of just results um, uh, for the day in the channel advisor data, we we have same store sales data and we report on various events. As you know, we do monthly same store sales, and during the holidays, we look at a variety of different things. So what what was interesting this year is from a same store sales perspective uh, in the U.S. it was flat to down slightly, um, and then. Internationally, it was up pretty pretty high. I think in Germany, it was 60%. Let me pull this up to make sure I don't get any wrong numbers. And then in, yeah, Germany was 60% year over year, and then France was 15 and both the UK and Italy were 12%. Now, um, 
once we put this data out, Amazon was quick to point out that uh, third parties were up 30% overall. And, and that makes sense because it's apples and oranges. When we report this, we're taking a, a cohort of customers that have been the same cohort for a year. Uh, so these, we don't, we add a lot of customers and sometimes people go out of business and whatnot. So there's, there's some customers that aren't, that were here a year ago that aren't here. And then there's a bunch that we've added over the last year that are not in that comparison. And the reason we do this is because it's a better benchmark than to just say, uh, if we just say, it was X, then that's more of a uh, quality bar of how we've added customers, not necessarily how customers did on the channel. So, so we do the same store sales. It, it started um, not for Wall Street or anything like that, but for customers to help benchmark how they're doing on these various channels. And we felt like the same store sales was a better benchmark kind of, uh, uh, you know, and these are all transactions. We're not, we're not surveying. We're not looking at little traffic samples or anything like that. These are actual transactions going through our system. So, so you know what what's interesting is Amazon reported much larger numbers. Um, another thing that's important to note is our data is third party only. The bulk of the Prime Day deals are Amazon first party. So even you know obviously like Amazon's devices and stuff are first party. But even if they went and had an awesome deal on a Samsung TV, that was what we would call the slang would be one P or a traditional retail wholesale kind of relationship where Amazon setting the price, Samsung is is just you know selling wholesale to them. And, and all that good stuff. So, so um, there's those two reasons why there's a delta, um, and you know, but but kind of digging back into some of the results, Amazon did put out a press release that was pretty interesting, and they said Prime Day grew 60% globally, 50% in the U.S. So what I took from that was, in looking at our data, is it really kind of, you know, I think last year they had really good um, U.S. saturation. This year, the international kind of came along. It would be a big theme of Prime Day this year. Um, and then they said 3P grew 30%. Later in the press release, they said, and you have to parse this stuff really closely, so I'll make sure I say this right. They said for sellers that had deals in Prime Day year over year. So I think what they're doing is it's not a cohort. The cohort isn't the same sellers, but there was X sellers that had deals last year and Y this year, those sales tripled. That makes sense because last year it was near impossible to get a Prime Day deal. And, and this year it was it was just merely impossible. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was merely hard. Um, so, you know, I, I think I don't think that's a fair comparison either. Um, so, you know, I think the 30% probably is is pretty fair. Another thing is last year we saw, I call it knock-on effects. Um, so what the way it worked last year is they would promote maybe a Samsung TV, and it would almost be like a search result where the Prime Day deal would be at the top, but then you had um, even – even on the SKU and underneath the SKU at the search result level, third-party um, listings would show up. So the Amazon deals would sell out, and then we would get a fair amount of pull from, from our customers that their third-party is kind of a quote-unquote backfilling that deal. Uh, this year, they changed the search experience a lot more. I don't know if you, you played around with it much, but there was like six or seven homepage banners, and they were kind of showcase deals and this kind of deal and that deal and deals you're watching and chronological deals, every different way you could look at deals. And when you clicked on them, there were search results there, but they were very restricted to only, you know, prime day deals. It's like they implemented this filter so that they could then on the back end say, this is a true prime day deal. These other offers from sellers aren't. And it feels like it had, um, 
you know, the slight, the, the, you know, I don't know if this is positive or negative, but it had the impact of having less knock on the, the traffic coming in for this didn't splash over those walls that the walls that they built this year were much you know bigger and, and people stayed in this kind of, you know, very isolated pool of prime day deals. A um, couple other quick things. From the press release, Prime member orders from mobile were up 2x. A million folks used the Amazon app for the first time. Device sales were up 3x year over year. Uh, it looked like pretty much every device, uh, they didn't mention the Fire Phone, uh, oddly enough, but every other Amazon device, uh, did they even sell that? I don't, I don't know. No, I don't think I, so. I, doubt they, I think they finally sold out of all of them. Um, uh, I think you know uh, every device had a record day. Um, but you know, an Alexa was like some kind of amazing stats. Um, the another kind of interesting kind of thing that supports this theme around Europe really lighting up. Uh, they said seven million items uh, were sold in Germany, and the past record was five point four. So that's probably either um, Green Monday is really big in Europe, or then there's also Black Friday has kind of caught on. So I got to imagine that's probably the twenty fifteen. Green Monday would be my best guess, and then Black Friday would be my second guess. So it's pretty interesting that, you know, at a super 30,000-foot level, what I think is fascinating is Amazon wasn't wasn't first mover on this, but they have effectively created a holiday in the summer. Uh, and, you know, I, I think kudos to them. I think it's great. Um, we could talk about why they would want to do that, but, but I think, you know, it's built on the success. They already announced today they're going to do one next year. So, you know, I think this is going to be, you know, something that they, they, they do forever unless it like somehow failed miserably, which, which I don't see happening. Yeah, no. And I mean, rolling all that up, if, if sales really were up 60% and it, I think we're talking a uh, number sales in terms of number of orders, correct? Um, yeah. The, that that does officially make that it Amazon's biggest day, right? So that was the highest volume uh, day they've had. That would be bigger than Black Friday in the U.S. last year. I don't know if they exactly said that. You have to. When I read it, they they did for certain things. They didn't like my my parsing of it. Of it was it, they didn't say it was their biggest day. Period. It was biggest day for devices. It was biggest day in Germany. It almost sounded like they were dancing around, like maybe there was a bigger order day during the holiday last year, which which would probably be it would be. I would find it hard to believe they would beat Cyber Monday. Um, yeah, I mean, it's that, possible, but but unlikely. Well, so that's what I was just thinking. Is that I mean, that would be truly impressive if they could create a holiday in two years and surpass Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Um, it follows the trend I think that you and I talk about in those holiday sales that we're we're just seeing the the spending, particularly e-commerce spending, spread out across bigger days in a bigger window. Um the I I saw sort of a, a, a funny reference to two thousand and five and in two thousand and five twenty five percent of all e-commerce sales happened on Cyber Monday. And a, of course, today, like we, those flagpoles aren't, you know, are still the big days, but they're not, you know, close to to that high a percentage of the to- total sales. So it's just uh, interesting to see Amazon spread sales out even more. And I guess the the unanswered question is, did they just take sales away from the next couple months? Did they just move some sales forward that they would have gotten anyway, and potentially at lower margins because of the deals? Or did they actually create new demand and 
and generate incremental sales that wouldn't have existed otherwise. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really hard to say that. You know, I'm going through the press release again, and it, it's really a little confusing. So the headline is Amazon's Prime Day is the biggest day ever, and then the sub is biggest day ever for Amazon devices. So it's not really clear if it's like two best or kind of a what we mean is devices. And then the first sentence says the second annual Prime Day was the biggest day ever for Amazon. Period. Full stop. But but it's. It's not really clear is that orders or sales. So maybe, you know, that makes it sound like if you just take it at face value that it was bigger than than Cyber Monday, um, which I just have a hard yeah. time believing that. Well, you know, Cyber globally, it, it, that could be because Cyber Monday is just going to be the U.S. You don't get any pickup uh, in other countries on Cyber Monday. So, so it, you know, I guess it is possible. And, you know. We we didn't and, and they don't really compete with anyone else on Prime Day, uh, which could help too because Cyber Monday everyone's throwing deals out there. So I don't know. Maybe uh, we have a lot of Amazon listeners. Maybe some of them could help clarify that a little bit for us. Yeah, I'm sure Jeff would appreciate it if many of them would call in and just sort of clear it up for us. Or if Jeff wants to call in, we'd be um, we could probably find some time, maybe September October, for him to uh, come on the show. Exactly. I, I would be willing to, to uh, slightly adjust my, my calendar if necessary. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll have our people reach out to his people. <laughs> <laughs> so did you see any kind of wacky deals that, that caught your attention? Um, nothing that really jumped out at me. Like, so, I, you know, one, one thing we, we alluded to, but we didn't explicitly say is there was an extra $10 off on your first voice order, which again, seems clever. It both helped, help, uh, sort of juice some of the Amazon Prime Day deals. And it's also teaching all those new Echo owners this new behavior because they've really expanded the ability of the Echo to actually accept orders. And so, you know, now they're they're giving everyone a ten dollar incentive to to place the order. So I thought that was pretty smart. The deep discount on the Echo uh, certainly jumped out at me. There's there was a very good Samsung TV that was a particularly good deal, but that was a little bit outside of the probably the impulse price point for most people. So I'm uh uh I'm not. I'll be. I would be interested to know how how that played out. And then you know there are a lot of other things where. It was a good deal, but uh, only incrementally better than other deals. So, like a lot of those Amazon Fire tablets, they've been having a fire sale on them, uh, <laughs> pun semi intended, anyway. And so, there have been these terrific deals on the tablets, and they were a little better for Prime, but it wasn't, you know, earth shatteringly different. What about you? Did you notice any uh, interesting or goofy deals? One that was kind of strange was Segway. Um, you know, they make that, that, platform thing that's what does that cost ten thousand dollars they had this little mini segway i'd never seen before and it looked like a segway in a unicycle had a baby and um that was like 999 dollars and it looked like it was getting a lot of momentum on it um which you know to your point of of things outside of that that you know consideration set i I was a little surprised that people seemed to be um you know nibbling on that one pretty hard. They they have a quote in the press release from Segway, but it's it's very vague and doesn't have anything about, you know, the um the the quantity or anything like that. The um the aside from devices, they did say the top seller in the US is a instant pot seven in one multifunction pressure cooker. 
So, you know, that's a, I would not have guessed that would, I would always, you know, you always think when you see these deals, you're, it's going to be some kind of a cool new 4k Samsung TV or something like that. But I, I thought it would, you know, this pressure cooker evidently really resonated with folks. Well, yeah, that is interesting that uh, I did see the Segway deal and that, that particular Segway is sort of their answer to the hoverboard, I think. Although obviously at a higher price point. Yeah. Yeah. And it probably doesn't explode. One would hope. The, uh, <laughs> for $999, it better not explode. Uh, I thought you would enjoy the top seller in the UK because I know you're passionate about uh, this. It was the Oral-B cross-action electric toothbrush with Bluetooth connectivity and smart series. I'm, I'm not familiar with that toothbrush, but I just kind of wonder, you know, do you really need Netflix in your toothbrush? And then why does it have Bluetooth? So I don't, uh, you know, UK or folks are ahead of us on on bluetooth or a toothbrush technology featuring bluetooth that's hard to say yeah uh i'm gonna slightly disagree with you i feel like you can get both bluetooth toothbrushes and bluetooth forks in the u.s today so uh i'm disputing that that uk is ahead of us and certainly with brexit they're gonna fall further behind as far as i'm concerned um but uh i am a big sonic sonicare loyalist so i'm waiting till they add bluetooth to their toothbrushes what does the Bluetooth do? Just like order a replacement for itself? Is it like a no? Uh, you know what it's really targeted <laughs> for is for kids, and it uh, it gamifies brushing your teeth. Measuring if your yeah. kids are brushing their teeth. Yeah, so you know, I think there's some some super adv- uh, zealous people that might use it for sort of the the measure self movement and log how many minutes they spend brushing their teeth. But it's it's mostly like you know for kids to. Uh, earn an allowance by making sure they brush their teeth for at least two minutes every night and that kind of thing. And the same thing with a fork. It's a, it's like literally intended to, uh, to help, you know, teach, teach toddlers how to, how to eat. Um, I guess I have seen one fork that alleges to, to do, do some sort of calorie estimates. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Not sure how that works. <laughs> Or if you could like stab it with a rice cake and then go pick up a giant piece of roast beef and fake it out. Yeah, I would the, figure out a way to game a Yeah. <laughs> Pop tarts weigh exactly the same yeah. as rice cakes. <laughs> the Alexa deal uh, observation is interesting. And I, I noticed this year they were pushing Prime Now both on the homepage and in the app. And I think I got a couple of emails or notifications about it too. So they were definitely trying to, you know, it seemed like a sub goal this year was to activate some of these other prime features because you, you, you can imagine when they look at the data, if someone has a prime subscription and they're just getting shipping, they probably have a normal kind of attrition rate. But then if they add video music, prime now, Alexa, um, I'm sure I'm missing something in there. Um, what's the warehouse club one? Um, you know, there, there's like five or six other little benefits in there. And Prime Day, of course, I think is another one. If they activate any of those, then and, and the more that, you know, the more features of Prime people are using, the less churn there is. So so it seemed like they were definitely doing a lot more of that this year than they had in the past. And they have a lot more to do in just a year. It's amazing how much they've added. Yeah, the uh, I assume all those things make it more sticky and probably improve your sugar store, sugar score as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Absolutely. Did you see any other interesting things uh, around Prime Day? Uh, not so, well. So a, a couple of things. Uh, one thing that you know Amazon doesn't disclose, but I'd be curious what your theory is. I'm assuming another benefit to Amazon is that there were probably meaningful new Prime 
membership signups to to uh, enable the shoppers to get access to these deals. Yeah, Amazon's very um, quiet on this. The only data they put out kind of for a while, they didn't say anything, but now they'll say tens of millions. So that gives you a range of, you know, 10 million to 99.9 million, I guess, if, if you were taking rounding out of the equation. <laughs> so that's a that's a pretty big swath of folks. Uh, and that's a global number, tens of millions. Um, when we do back of the envelope, we end up around between 45 and 50 million. Um, there's folks that do more survey work and they end up with a, you know, some are, are in the range where we are and some come out much higher. Uh, it is the kind of day, though, where, you know, you could see, you know, could the prime base grow, at least with kind of people in a free trial period, 10 or 15 percent? You know, I, I think that's definitely possible. So if they're at 50 million, you know, they could easily add seven to 10 million new prime members. Uh, and then it becomes kind of a, a goal to get them to stick. And, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting to see. It, it, it's hard to tell unless you're in that that free trial period. But I've got to imagine that just like when Facebook was early, they, they finally realized if you have eight to 10 friends and you stay forever, I'm sure Amazon knows, you know, it has lots of data on what it takes to kind of get you to activate in that, that free trial period. And like I said, it's probably some combination of video, music, using the free shipping, um, using Prime Now, getting an Alexa, all those things, uh, you know, enjoying some of the, the, the premium exclusive content and deals. And, and they're doing a lot of around video games and uh, all those things. It, you know, I, I bet they'll, the next 30 days between now and August 12th, they'll be doing a lot to try to you know, not only keep those guys, but activate them into different parts of the Prime program. Yep, I am certain you are right there. I, I think we'll we'll see some aggressive stuff to try to uh, retain those 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 customers because you know one unfortunate thing is the, the the people that just want access to Prime Day are deal seekers, and so that's exactly who you might expect would do the the free thirty day trial and and cancel. Yeah, yeah. How about um? I saw some news reports about it. I didn't get a chance to dig into it. Uh, I didn't witness it at all. Uh, but there was evidently some kind of a problem with the cart. Were you able to track that? I was a little bit. Uh, I, I don't think it's totally clear, uh, but it's it seems that early in the day there was at least one legitimate bug um, in, uh, with regard to putting prime deals in your cart. Um, and so uh, early in the day on Twitter, there there were a ton of consumer complaints, and they sort of adapted this uh, hashtag uh, – uh, hashtag prime fail. And uh, w- w- uh, sort of reading through all those tweets, it seemed like the common denominator was folks that tried to buy non-prime items and put a prime deal in the cart at the same time were having trouble checking out. And then when they would try to rebuild their cart, uh, it wouldn't let them put the prime item back in their cart because it would tell them they had already taken advantage of the deal. And I, I caveat that a little bit because... There clearly were a lot of people early in the day that were successfully shopping on Amazon, and it seems like a lot of the complaints early in the day might have been user error. Um, you know, the Prime Day deals are a little confusing um, in the the sort of short term nature of the items, and and you know the waitlisting system and all those things. Some of the complaints probably weren't completely legitimate, but I know a lot of the the uh, media that covers. Uh, e-commerce, you know, sought comment from Amazon, and Amazon did clarify that that sort of by noon that the technical problems had been resolved. So I, I take that as affirmation 
that they did in fact have some legitimate technical problems in the morning that kept some users from getting prime deals. And then, you know, of course those deals then went away. And so those users were, you know, justifiably upset because they saw something they wanted to take advantage of and they were, they uh, were excluded from that deal through no fault of their own. Yeah. It kind of makes sense to me because this, this kind of, you know, hard flag that it's a prime day deal was very new this year. And I could see that being hard to system test at, at a capacity at a, you know, at a load test that they would get on that day. So, so it kind of, you know, for whatever yep. reason, makes computer science sense to me that that could be an area. You know, Amazon's very you know, rigorous about testing, and you rarely see glitches. So it, it is interesting. Um, and you know, they're they're again saying it was their largest day. And on on the way we interface at Channelvisor with Amazon is through APIs. And in the early days of the APIs, and this is going back to you know like the. 07, 08, 09 timeframe, uh, days like this, you would see really big slowdowns and, and struggling on the back end. And we would eventually, the orders would come through, but there would be like six hour delays and not catastrophic. Everyone would get their packages on time, but enough to make, make our folks and their folks sweat a bit. Um, you know, we, you know, to my knowledge and knock on wood, we didn't see anything kind of, uh, on the back end there from, from Amazon. So, you know, the, this investment in AWS, I feel has given them you know, massive headroom for these kinds of things on, on the technology side from a, a capacity standpoint, bugs notwithstanding. Yeah. And, um, so I, I mean, a couple of takeaways from that. Number one, I feel like there are a lot of other retailers that were probably thrilled to see Amazon have any kind of technical glitch because, you know, frankly, if you're any of these other retailers and you've had a and you don't have AWS behind you and you you've had a capacity glitch on Black Friday or Cyber Monday, like almost certainly one of the things you heard from your peers within the retail organization were, uh, "Hey, I noticed Amazon didn't have any problems and we did. What's the deal with that?" So I, you know, I I think uh, there are probably a bunch of a bunch of uh, 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 system operations guys today that were we're routing around, you know, what failures they were and sharing that, you know, even Amazon isn't, isn't perfect. Um, an interesting thing though, is that was the, the bulk of the negative sentiment about prime day was this, you know, relatively small pool of users that were complaining about a technical glitch last year. There were a ton of complaints about the quality of the deals. Um, and so there, there are a lot of people that use that same prime fail hashtag last year because they were, you know, mostly joking about how silly the deals were or how short, you know, the quantity was of the items that were on deal. And there, there was, there was this general concession, uh, consensus last year that, hey, prime day was an economic, uh, success and that, that they sold a lot of stuff, but that a significant amount of the sentiment around the day was negative. And it, it appears this year uh, that the sentiment was much more favorable. And I know Adobe and some other other folks with social listening tools sort of track that carefully, and they they all sort of concurred that the the overwhelming majority of of social sentiment around around Prime Day was favorable. Yeah, and um, you know the adjustments I mentioned a little bit of it at the top of the show, but it seemed like Amazon did what I would call. Not only did they go deeper on the deals, they they kind of went wider. So, so last year was very doorbustery. Some of the best deals were in the early AM hours, East Coast, and and then 
you know, Pacific missed out on them, which cheesed them off. So um, this year there was just a much better spreading out of the deals. And, um, you know, you could tell there was a lot more thought put into it of we're going to have a good electronics deal for every hour for 12 hours, a good toy, a good video game, you know, that kind of thinking. So, um, and then the, the deals were definitely deeper. I mentioned the, I, I was just shocked the Alexa deal didn't sell out, you know, any time during the day. It, it must've just been, you know, ginormously deep on, on that one. Um, the other thing, you know, the other thing I noticed they did this year is there was a lot more promotion. They were promoting prime day on the tape on the box. There was TV, there was, um, a lot of digital campaign. There was a lot of email, you know, marketing to prime members. Um, there were interstitials. There's a lot of onsite. Uh, it, it was, it just felt you know, last year I remember seeing one digital thing and uh, there was a TV ad with a dancing box guy that I saw like maybe once last year. Um, and this year, you know, there was a kind of a blackout period of 48 hours before prime day where you couldn't hardly sneeze without kind of hearing about prime day. Absolutely. One of the other interesting things to me was, you know, last year there just wasn't a lot of notice to anyone before prime day. And so it was interesting to see how other retailers reacted to Prime Day. And if, if you remember, um, there, it, it ended up being, there were some weird circumstances. So, you know, last year was the 20th anniversary of Amazon. And so the first Prime Day was, you know, uh, partly to celebrate that 20th anniversary. And, uh, once it became clear that Amazon was going to do, you know, meaningful promotions on that day, Walmart jumped on the bandwagon and you almost got the impression it was a little ad hoc. Um, because they were, they were basically celebrating prime day too. And you, so you had this sort of weird, weird circumstance where Walmart was celebrating Amazon's 20th birthday with, with their own deals to try to counter program against prime day. Um, and so now you fast forward a year, all the, all the other retailers knew it was coming. They, you know, probably had a lot more opportunity to prepare their own strategies. And I think we saw probably, two or three very different strategies that different retailers took um, to, to address Prime Day. And so that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Have you heard anything about how it did this year? So, you know, um, Penny had a Penny Palooza or something like that. And then I didn't see Target do anything. I think Kohl's did something. Walmart had, uh, was it five days of free shipping? And then eBay had a couple of snarky kind of exclusive for everyone. And we don't, we don't require membership kind of things. The The deals didn't seem to be much more different than their everyday daily deals that they do. So I think they were just kind of snarky banners. Did, yeah. did you see anything um, or hear anything out there in the in the interwebs? Yeah, well, so there there were a number of retailers that tried to do their own sales as opposed to last year when they literally, you know, called them Prime Day sales. Uh, this year, I noticed that the big trend was that they were calling them Black Friday in July. So, uh, you know, the the other retailers clearly recognized this year that hey, we don't need to help advertise Prime for Amazon anymore. And so there, you know, they, there was a concerted effort to sort of rebrand that day. I don't I don't know how successful that was. Because to your point, like no retailer that I saw put like meaningful media dollars against that, and obviously Amazon um, did did have a pretty big marketing uh, push around Prime Day. But but so Macy's and uh, Walmart were much more likely to refer to it as Black Friday in July. Uh, as you mentioned, Walmart's big promotion was to give away free shipping, which is interesting because. 
last holiday, Walmart um, was very conservative about their free shipping promotions, which was is not typical for holiday season. And you know, Walmart didn't have a a particularly awesome uh, growth over that holiday period, and and lack of shipping promotions was probably part of the reason. So now you fast forward this year, and they're giving away free shipping, and you know they're they're try- starting to promote Shipping Pass, which is their answer to to Amazon Prime, and that's a you know fifty dollar membership, free shipping, free two day shipping from from Walmart, and. You know that this goes back to your Amazon's very interested in you taking advantage of all those other benefits of Prime, because you know frankly Walmart's uh, shipping pass is exclusively a shipping deal, and so you know if if you're an Amazon user that uses any of those other benefits besides shipping, it makes Amazon it makes Prime look more competitive against you know these new competitors like Walmart shipping pass, for example. So I thought that was interesting in terms of their promotional strategies. Uh, there, you know, there were other retailers that offered deals, none of them with the breadth of product that Amazon did. You know, they all had some sort of targeted deals. And then there's a whole other set of retailers, um, that, you know, really just leverage the fact that this is sort of back to school season. So a bunch of retailers had back to school sales. They almost certainly would have had back to school sales anyway. Um, and they really just hung their hat on those back to um, school sales. So that was kind of interesting. And then there was sort of mixed messages about how Prime Day was affecting traffic on those other retailers' e-commerce sites. So we uh, we saw a couple of third parties report that, that there was a clear spike in traffic on all big e-commerce sites. And, and depending on the source, I've seen people say uh, that, like, Traffic was twice as big as the previous Tuesday or even 3x as big as the previous Tuesday um, across the board in retail, which is a pretty big spike in traffic. Um, but then uh, folks were not reporting huge spikes in sales that were commensurate with what Amazon's claiming. And so, you know, if you add those things together, your takeaway would almost be that that Prime Day caused shoppers to to visit a bunch of sites but that the conversion was much better on on amazon due to the preponderance of deals there um so mm. so that was all interesting and uh, it'll be interesting to see what you know as as sort of retailers do their post modem on on uh, this prime day and you know if uh amazon continues to have the success they've had you know it'll be interesting to see what they do next year yeah yeah absolutely well there definitely will be a prime day next year so it's already locked yeah, I, I'm sure. Um, so one last thing that was that sort of overlapped Prime Day a little bit. You you asked earlier, you know, if if I saw any particular deals. One of the things that was sort of ironic is all the Prime Day deals were um, showing you the offer price against the list price, and in many cases there was a big gap there, right? So. Hey, list pr- pr- price on the Echo is one seventy nine, and we're selling it for one twenty nine. Um, the The reason that was a little ironic is there have been a number of articles noticing that over the last couple of weeks, Amazon has been doing away with displaying list prices on their website, and there's there have been several articles that speculate about why Amazon would do that. Um, and I, I'm happy to talk about that. I, I sort of feel like some of the articles speculation are probably wrong, but it's interesting at the same time that Amazon's getting rid of a lot of, 
of list prices that they were they were leveraging list price pretty extensively for their Prime Day deals. Yeah, that that, that is ironic and um, pretty intimate on this one. So we had customers that noticed this in May, uh, and I believe it started in the apparel category, and then um, they thought it was a bug. They're like, "Hey, Amazon, you know the list price," and and then it, there's kind of two parts. There's the list price, and then a, a calculation of a d- effective discount um, for the current price. They're like, and both both the percentage and the list price were gone. So they started contacting their account managers, and, and ultimately Amazon said, "Yeah, we're we're um, you know sometimes you would hear it called a testing, or it's definite in apparel or category kind of based, or a phasing out. So we, we've heard kind of different flavors used for this thing. So it's not entirely clear what's going on, but but then the justification that was given was it's a bad consumer experience, and and digging into that, what they're telling folks is." There were sellers that were abusing this and, you know, saying, because you can just put anything in there. It's like a, a field that you say, what was the list price? So you'd have sellers saying, oh, this this super rare HDMI, I'm making this up, obviously, but this this HDMI cable was normally $80 and we're going to sell it for eight. So it's 92% off or whatever that works out to be. Um, so, you know, that they, Amazon felt like there, because there's no validation of that list price it, it was being abused so um you know one one argument there is amazon could this could be one of those areas where amazon says look for one piece stuff we're going to keep it and deals we vet we feel like we've done the curation to really say that is the list price and those are going to have this feature then everything else isn't if we can't kind of vet it um you know i haven't heard how they're going to split that up the uh, i also got a bunch of questions on this and um one of the most interesting ones have been around you know is uh um you know is amazon doing this to effectively give them the ability to increase prices so the argument goes if the list price isn't there then what keeps you from charging over list price um and that that one just doesn't really um you know maybe some third parties would do that kind of thing because and um but again, I, I doubt it. it. Really, really, things are only sold over list price if they're extremely rare, and, and supply and demand kind of have worked out so that there's more more demand than supply, and you know it's the hot new toy or whatever for the holiday. Then you start to see things go above list price on the Amazon marketplace, but it's very rare because the market's pretty efficient, and usually things are below list price. Um, the the example you know I like to give on that. Is if you if you talk to anyone at Amazon, uh, their DNA is they know their flywheel very well. Their their flywheel is selection, value, and convenience. Um, and you know trust is kind of in there too, but they they often don't say that one. But but that they they are religious about selection, value, convenience, selection, value, convenience. Um, and the story I like to tell is. Um, when you sell in the third-party marketplace, everyone signs up for what's called price parity. And what that means is you can't put your products for more expensive on Amazon than they are on your website. So if you have a widget that's $100 on your website and 110 on Amazon, you violate that policy and they'll actually give you a warning and ultimately suspend you if that happens. We, we have this challenge that if our customers update their website first, and, and it's almost like an electron race condition, uh, it, it's so tight, you know, they'll be updating their website and then their inventory through Channel Advisor, and we're updating Amazon. And in that span, 
that gap, which can literally be you know minutes, um, Amazon will flag a price difference, and you know what that tells you is they are watching prices across the internet at a uh, just you know, an unimaginable kind of capacity. I, I, they must have just a massive project that does that. So you know, again, I don't I don't think they would have this kind of culture and the, these kinds of policies and these kinds of things if they you know people were there to jack up prices. If, if anything, I, I do believe um, you know they're very consumer oriented and. And I could see that consumer argument. What what do you make of the whole MSRP thing? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'll take one quick step back just to make sure everyone is sort of tracking. Um, when you show a list price and then you exit out and you show the price you're offering it at, we we often call that is was pricing. Like you're showing the the price it is and the price it was, and uh, you're you're clearly enumerating the deal the the customer's getting. And there's overwhelming evidence that the uh, that that psychology really impacts consumers. So the psychological principle behind that is called anchoring. When you see that that was price, that makes you feel like the the product was a value at that price, and now you're getting it for a better value, and it uh, has a a very meaningful effect on sales. And it's sort of considered a best practice. The overwhelming majority of sites on the on the internet use is was pricing or some some retailers will call it high low pricing um so when amazon gets rid of that list price one one concern you would have immediately is hey are they losing the ability to have is was pricing and for most retailers if you didn't show the list price you you would have no other way to have a meaningful is was price in amazon's case they actually do get to show multiple prices even without list price. So because they have the 3P marketplace and they show the price that that product's offered at um, at a variety of sellers, you you in you in you actually have is was pricing even without list price because you you get to see multiple prices and and those multiple prices sort of serve as an anchor. And in cases where we've seen Amazon take away list price, they still seem to have is was pricing. So they use that dynamic pricing engine. The dynamic pricing engine changes prices. They change something like 2.5 million prices a day. And so if the price changes, they still show the is was price um, from their own changes. And so they, they still have that psychology of, give, of sh- giving customers a better deal. Now, the reason that I think they're not showing the list price anymore um, is because there's a, a extreme version of this pricing practice uh, that's actually illegal, or at least uh, certainly illegal in some states. So back in 2013, a California court ruled that it's illegal for a retailer to make a fake list price that the product's never sold at, and then use that as an anchor and then have a, an is price that's much lower than that. And so, a, you know, a retailer lost um, a lawsuit uh, as a result of having these fake list prices. And since that, that lawsuit, uh, a ton of other retailers have been sued. And you, you can think about all these circumstances. You know, JCPenney, it famously has, you know, always has high-low pricing. And Ron Johnson, when he was there, even came out and said, hey, this is what we do when it's silly. We're going to try to move away from it. So he sort of admitted that they were using fake high-low pricing. Um, and JCPenney has stores in California. And there are a bunch of outlet malls that sell products that, you know, are made for that that outlet store. And they have a, a, 
a suggested list price that they've never been sold at, right? And so there are a ton of retailers that are getting sued right now for that practice. And if you're Amazon and you're getting a bunch of your list prices provided by by third parties, um, you can't guarantee that that's a real list price that the product's actually been offered at. And, you know, at this point, Amazon's one of the largest retailers in the country. They're a great target for lawsuits. And so my my strong speculation is that uh, Amazon only wants to show list prices when they're confident that it's a, a real legitimate list price that the product's been offered at and that they're trying to minimize their their profile as a target for for these pricing lawsuits and that Amazon more so than other retailers feels like they they can successfully remove the list price and still have credible is was pricing because they have the buy box and they have the dynamic pricing and those things. So I really mm, think yes. that's the that's the driver and I 100% agree with you. For sure, the driver is not that Amazon's hoping to sell uh, at higher prices and expect people not to notice because that's just fundamentally against their DNA. It's fundamentally against the flywheel, and it, it just wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, the um, unfortunately, a lot of the the sellers that there are good citizens were upset about this, and um, you know, there, there's a lot of these third party sellers that are they really focus on closeouts, and that's an area Amazon's not really active in. So it's a great kind of segment that's pretty. I hate to use the word protected, but you know, a pretty good niche and, and a very large niche. So they're kind of like little mini TJ Maxx's. And the way these guys work is they they work off MSRP discounts. So some retailer or, or you know will have some liquidation kind of, and, and these are big lots of liquidation. And on these sheets, they'll actually list the MSRP and the discount. And that's how the negotiation is done, where you'll go in and you'll say, look, I'll give you effectively, you know, 30 cents on the retail dollar for this stuff. Um, and that factors into their calculation because they know, uh, to your point about the psychology, they, they know consumers really want 50% off. So they're, they're going to kind of do their economics, make 20% margin, market up 20, they're going to get 30% off MSRP. So, so they feel like they've lost a really big feature and benefit, um, to help, especially in this kind of markdown segment. So um, not sure if Amazon's going to do anything about that, but but it, it's definitely been perceived as a bit of a negative for, for that audience of folks. Yeah, and I, I can imagine that they're right, or at least uh, I can certainly uh, sympathize with their concern that, that the loss of that dramatic as was pricing could affect velo- sales velocity on those SKUs. So uh, that feels like everything we uh, had on Prime Day for this week, and I uh, feel particularly grateful to our listeners. This is actually the third podcast that we're we're publishing this week, so it's a hugely dense week on the Jason and Scott show. Yeah, yeah, we had uh, the summer was kind of slow, and then we've had a lot to talk about this week. A lot of folks were available for interviews, and and it was great to be able to put out uh, all this content in one week. Exactly. And so I know next week uh, we have some conflicts, so we may not put out a show. So that'll give a chance for the listeners to sort of catch up on these episodes. I will be at the shop.org digital merchandising uh, workshop next week and uh, would love to, to say hello to any listeners in person that are attending that. It's a great event, and I'm looking forward to speaking there. Yeah, and unfortunately I won't be able to make it this year, but uh, look forward to hearing who you rendezvous with. 
I uh, will will miss seeing you, but I will do my best to represent the the Jason and Scott show at uh, at, at the the resort in Southern California. Um, and so with that, uh, I will remind all the listeners that if you enjoyed this show, we'd certainly appreciate a review on iTunes. And if you'd like to continue the conversation, uh, please uh, meet us on the Facebook page and post your comments. So until the next podcast, happy commercing. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes and please leave a review. 